It's good to see you all. Um, I was reading in 1 Corinthians 13 this week, and it talks about how if something is spoken but it's not spoken in love, it's, it's worthless. And so that was just really convicting to me. I just, um, I know I'm not perfect in my love for each of you, but I do love you, and it's great to just. And I just remember, you know, details of it. So there was this artichoke dip, and I don't know if you've ever had, you know, fresh artichoke leaves that you dip in. You don't eat the whole leaf. You're supposed to just take the meat out of it. And then there was a steak that was amazing, medium rare. It's the only way to go. And, uh, and then each course there was, my mother-in-law likes them well done, so that's, that's kind of hurtful. Um, <laughs> and then there was, I think, creme brulee for dessert. I really enjoyed every bite of it. And I love food. I thank the Lord in my prayers at mealtime for taste buds pretty frequently. My, my kids will tell you that. Um, <clears throat> And it's funny how our capacity for pleasure as humans is so limited, isn't it? It's like the first couple bites of something is amazing, but then by the fifth bite or the sixth bite, and I should know better that by the third helping, it's not going to be as good as the first helping, you know. But um, our bodies can hardly endure a whole lot of pleasure before it starts to die down. I'm excited to have new bodies that will not get tired and will not um, be limited in their ability to glory in Christ and to... Who knows what, you know, we're going to experience in heaven. So um, I've been re- as we've been reading through Ephesians, and if you just sit down and read through Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, and to me it's a like eating like a multi-course delicious meal. Like it's just one thing after the other, and, and it's delightful. Um, and so let's settle in for a delicious meal this morning. We're going to recap, we're going to recap... Um, a little bit of what we've talked about the past few weeks, and then we're going to get into Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Um, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, this might be a little bit like if you've had COVID and your taste has gone away. It's not going to seem all that exciting, but you need to know Christ as your Savior, and then it all comes alive. All right, so in, in, in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, we see some things, and we're just going to hit bullets because... Um, Matt actually basically did this opening this morning during breaking of bread. Um, We see that God has lavished on us the riches of his grace in Jesus Christ. And I think of lavish, think of like a lavish lifestyle. We see that in the media. God has lavished on us his riches in Christ Jesus. We see that God heads up all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. And Christ's name, just if you go through Ephesians, count the names the times you see the name of Christ. It's a lot. Uh, it's over 10 times in the first 10 verses. We see that Christ is preeminent, that all things are under his feet. In Christ, we've been claimed as God's own possession. If you've read the word of God much, these are familiar things. My son Eli is impatient with me. When I tell him I love him, he grumbles and he says, Dad, I already know that. Why do you got to keep telling me that? I don't know if any of your kids have ever done that. But hopefully it's not like that with God's word. Lest, you know, there's a lot here. They're very dense thoughts. But God's word is so rich and delicious. Um, he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the universe and things Jay was talking about last night even came into existence, he chose you. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. We heard that this morning. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, But God, rich in mercy, 
because of his great love, made us alive through Christ's blood. Christ's blood. I was sharing Christ with an, an, a 93-year-old lady and who I had shared Christ with many times before, and she angrily rebutted me at one point and said, it was, and just said, how come you always bring up Christ? Why is it always about Christ? Isn't that true, right? The world we live in can't handle the name of Christ. They'll talk about God, but they can't handle the name of Christ. It's because all things are through Christ. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have a down payment on our inheritance. God is going to forever demonstrate to us the surpassing wealth of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's made us a part of his body, the church, with Christ as the head. And he's made us his bridegroom with Christ. He's made us his bride with Christ as the bridegroom. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a meal. We can't even begin to comprehend so much of it. And I was just thinking about it and kind of summarized it in a few ways. Through Christ, we went from having no access to having full access to God. We went from barren to bountiful. We went from condemned to consecrated. We've gone from alienated to adopted. We've gone from damnation to salvation. We've gone from having hearts of stone to being living stones. We've gone from being dead to having Christ as our head. And this is a little stretch, but we've gone from being in the lurch to being in God's church. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. We serve an awesome Savior. In Ephesians chapter 3, we see that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God, it says, should now be disclosed to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. We don't see the spirit world, but it's out there and it's active. And it's the church. It's this local church. It's the it's the, whole ch the church as a whole that puts the heavenly realms on notice. And it was according to God's eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access to God by way of Christ's faithfulness. How does the enemy have any claim against us when we have bold access to God Almighty? And then in chapter 13, verses 14 to 20, just a summary, it says God's desire is that all the saints would be able to comprehend the breadth, this is very familiar, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love, to know his love, do you know his love, to be filled up to all the fullness of God, and we see that he is able to do far and above anything that we ask or think. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. And that is exactly what will happen. And so we get to Ephesians, and, we, and Dave Wilson talked to us a few weeks ago, and he says, it starts with therefore, and Dave says, what's the therefore, therefore, right? And uh, I think that's Lauren's favorite thing. Um, it's therefore because all the stuff we read, and it's not stuff, my mother always tells me this isn't stuff, so I'm sorry for calling it stuff, but all the things we read in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 are so glorious that it motivates us as we step into chapter 4. And so because of all those amazing things, we ought to live, and Dave covered this, worthily of the calling, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Who's sufficient for these things, right? We need the Holy Spirit to do these things. That list is going to make humble every one of us, at least one part. Um, and then George talked about how we each have gifts. Each of us has a gift given to us by God. 
And we have, it's different from natural abilities. Natural abilities are generally beneficial to humanity, whereas spiritual gifts from God are given to us to serve the body of Christ. And so that brings us to Ephesians 11, 12 through 16. And George stopped right in the middle of a sentence in his last talk. And so we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And I'd like to have everybody just read it aloud, if you can see it. Hopefully you can. Um, just read this aloud with me. This is the New English translation. It says, And he himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is, to build up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people, who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ, who is the head. From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body builds itself up in love. I'm sorry for not having you stand for that. Um, let's pray. Father God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, that you would open our hearts and teach us from your word. I pray that these would be your words spoken. Thank you for empowering each of us to serve you. Thank you for giving us gifts to serve the body. Lord, may you be glorified and accomplish your purposes this morning. And Father God, we, we just glory in Christ. We just raise his, his name up high as we see you doing in your word and we know that we will do through all of eternity. We pray uh, for your, your help now. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, so jumping into our portion for today, verse 11, George already talked about this, but it says that God gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Um, and, and George talked about these gifts and their relevance today, so I'm not going to repeat that. The, the title of today's message is The Group Walk, Living Responsively in Community. Um, and hopefully we'll unpack that for you today. So verse 12 picks up on the second half of the sentence about these gifts. It says, to equip, so these gifts we just read about are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is to build up the body of Christ. So we're going to take that apart this morning. God himself has given, through his power, specific gifts to equip. And the question is to equip who? It says to equip the saints. So who are the saints? The Greek word gives the idea of people who have a likeness of nature with the Lord because they're different from the world. The word saints has the thought of being set apart. God is other God is set apart. We are to be holy, like God. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you don't need to turn there, but it says that we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people of God's own. 
We were once not a people, but now we are God's people. We are, so when it says saints, we should recognize that it's everyone that knows Christ as their Savior. And when you know Christ as your Savior, you're part of the universal church, and you're special. We should also have a nature that's like the Lord. We, we receive the Holy Spirit and receive a new man, and it should make us different from the world around us. So, this verse is talking to you, those of you that know Christ as their Savior. It says that these gifts were given to equip the saints. For what? It says to equip them for the work. So, we're just pause there. If you're a saint of God, if you're a child of God, we have work to do. We should be working. That started in the garden. God wants us to work. As people, we should be working to earn a living, but we also should be working to serve God. So we should be busy. What is it that we're working on or for? And it says, for the work of ministry. Ministry. So this is, a, this is to all of us. We are all in the ministry. Ministry is, is not necessarily a career direction or a job. It's the duty of every single believer. Every one of us sitting here that knows Christ as our Savior has a duty, and that is to be in the ministry. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to um, take your income from the ministry 100%. doesn't mean you're going to be up on the pulpit preaching necessarily. But let's explore what it does mean. The fact is, the church has limited in, through history ministry to a select class of people, and that has really stunted the growth of the church. The distinction between clergy and laity, and this is a quote from, I think it's William MacDonald, is unscriptural, and perhaps the, singest, the greatest single hindrance of the spread of the gospel. Now, we read in verse 11, there's clearly gifts that are special, that not everyone has, that are to equip the church. So it's not to undermine those or to limit those, but the fact is there's a whole array of gifts that have been given to the church that are there to, to serve, to minister to the church in, in countless ways. So sometimes we need to broaden our thought of what ministry really is. So what is ministry? Um, again, looking back at the Greek word, kind of taking it apart, it has the connotation of active service. So it's action, it's, it's doing things, it's active service being done with a willing attitude. That's important. It's spirit-empowered service that's guided by faith. So as we grow in our faith, God empowers us through his spirit to, to serve more effectively, to maybe have a sense of where service is needed. Um, ministry is not a passive role. It's not... A waiting to be asked kind of thing. Um, don't wait to have people ask for help. God's given us eyes to minister. God's given us eyes to see needs. And when you see those needs, don't think everybody sees those needs. Act on those needs God's revealing to you. I know for, for Maria and I, back in 2008, um, the Cedar River flooded and we lived on the river, which was really fun until 2008. Um, and, uh, and, you know, when something like that happens, we had a couple feet in our main floor, and you just, you don't really have the capacity to say, 
oh, how, how, I need you to do this help, and I need you, you to do that help. I think of the hardships that, um, I think of Alada, I think of Teresa, I think of many here who have gone through some, and will continue to go through some real heavy burdens, this um, grieving. You know, it's just that God gives you thoughts of how to minister to them or minister to others, just do it. And so I, I, we, Marie and I appreciated people that just came in and just did stuff. I know Dennis, we practically went over the dam. Dennis and, and Randy Stickford trying to boat up river with a 15-horse engine with, in, in flood stage. Um, we were moving, but not very fast. But, uh, you know, they jumped in the boat, and there was one other guy there, and they, they helped, and we went and we did stuff. And praise God, it was a blessing. So as, as we see needs, jump in. Get involved in ministry. What's the purpose of the ministry? It says in this verse, it's to build up the body of Christ. To build up the body of Christ. It's about, it's about the church, which is the body of Christ. And the term is an action term. It's the act of building. And in the context of the church, it has to do with edifying. It has to do with spiritual advancement. As we care for people, as we as you exercise the gift that God has given you, and as you just serve with everything God's given you, um, you'll see the, the church being built up. You'll see spiritual advancement on the part of those whom, whom you're serving. Another thought at the root of that word is constructive criticism and instruction that builds a person up to be the suitable dwelling place of God. For example, where the Lord is at home. Constructive criticism and instruction that builds a person up to be the suitable dwelling place of God, for example, where the Lord is at home. So the church should be a suitable dwelling place for God, where the Lord is at home. Our own lives should, should look like that as well. William MacDonald, um, I really enjoy his simple writing style. It helps me in studying the word. But he broke it down into really three simple steps. One, the gifts of uh, equip the saints. So the gifts that God's given equip the saints. Two, the saints then serve. And three, the body is built up. It's really simple. It works if we're doing it. It doesn't work if we're not doing it. So these gifts have been given to, to us to serve the church. Um, a couple years ago, a little over two years ago, I went through a bit of a career change. Um, and I uh, had bought a business doing window coverings. I have an engineering degree and spent 23 years in fiber optic telecommunications, so I didn't see that coming. And, uh, and I, I needed to learn a few things. And so I paid for schooling and went out to California and spent a couple weeks in school. And a lot of the terms that I was hearing, like top down, bottom up, you know what that is? It's kind of window covering. And uh, it sounded pretty funny when I first heard it, um, but now it seems very normal. So lots of different terms I learned, learned how to measure window coverings and how to, how to apply a solution to different situations. Um, but I, you know, when I left that school, I only knew a little bit, and it was ebbing away quickly. But it was through jumping in, and when you have debt, it really is an encouragement to go to work hard. Um, so I had to go make that education turn into something real and start doing it every day. Right, And so, you know, that first time I stood in front of a customer and looking him in the eye, pretending like I knew a few things, it was hard. And then the second time was a little easier, and the second, you know, it got easier and easier. It's still hard. I'm still learning, but I, I know a lot more than I did two years ago. 
Now, you're not all blind salesmen, but all believers are in the ministry. And you don't have, you didn't have to pay for school, but Christ paid a great price to give us the spiritual gifts that we each have. And not one of us was left out of that, if you know Christ as your Savior. However, we need to be active. We need to be exercising those gifts, because that's how they grow, and that's how they get better, and that's how they become more useful. They're, they need to be developed. Even though they're given, they need to be developed and used and exercised. And so, as much as I looked my wife in the eye a couple years ago and had to make good on this investment that we were making, um, we need to make good on the investment that Christ has made to give us these gifts. So a few questions I'll ask, um, and this isn't me asking, I'm not anybody's judge, but they're good questions as we look in the Word of God. One is, are you involved in the local church body so you can benefit from the gifts we read in verse 11? The gifts of pastoring, teaching, evangelism, are you involved? Are you here? Um, you can also benefit from those on the radio and on podcasts, but there's a special part of being together as a body that God really emphasizes. So are you involved in the local church? You're here, so preaching to the choir today. Um, are you practicing ministry? Are you doing ministry? Um, and you know if you are or not, aren't. None of us is going to raise our hand and say, yep, got that one nailed, right? But we know if we're active or we're not active. And the fact is, I've seen new believers come to Christ and go full on into ministry. They don't hardly know anything, but they're going to take action and, and put it into action and praise God. And I've seen people that have known Christ for many years, and I've been guilty of this myself many times, that have basically warmed a seat for decades. And so we have to stand before God one day, every one of us, and give an account. And so it's a good question to ask yourself. What kind of ministry are you doing? How are you using the gift that God has given you? In what ways are you active in building up the body of Christ? So that's the purpose of the gift. In what ways are you, individually, active in building up the body of Christ? Last night, I was, I mean, we were all, many of us were really um, ministered to by so many that were building us up. They were serving us food. They had put on an incredibly elaborate setup. Um, I couldn't believe the walking through the ocean with the, the shadows of the fish above and walking into the front of the ark. I'm sure you all saw that. I mean, that was just people working really hard, not people that had a bunch of extra time on their hands. That was because they love you, because they care about you. They're just using the abilities that God gave them. And so that's a, just a great way And then of thinking about it. And then this week, thinking about uh, Maryland and thinking about a funeral and food, and there's much service that happens there. I've seen... Um, Alada and Teresa and others just being embraced and cared for here in the fellowship. It's just a beautiful thing. And so we see ministry happening. Are you a part of that? Are you using the gift that God's given you? Are you active in building up the body of Christ? Or are you having no impact? Or are you possibly tearing down the body of Christ? I, growing up in the little church that we were a part of, it, used, it was a vibrant church at one point, but it slowly died off, and part of it was due to a sweet elderly lady who nobody dealt with, and she had a lot of issues with gossip and, and just tore apart that church. And uh, so we just should ask those questions, right? And if we think we know the answer, just bring it to God. God, am I in the ministry? Am I serving you with the gifts that you've given me? Am I idle? 
Am I tearing down the church? God will review these things, reveal these things to you as you bring them to him. As we exercise our gifts, and this is just a picture from William McDonald's commentary, but this is just an illustration. You can think of this maybe as just somebody with an effective gift as the dot right in the middle. And as they use that gift and they minister to, say, four people, those four people then go minister to a few other people, to four other people. And those people go minister to other people. That's how the church works. And as we minister to people, we see the church grow in numbers, and we see the church grow in maturity, because people are active doing those things. And I feel like I see it all the time at Bethany. And that's not because we've arrived, but it's because there are people here very active and serving, and it's a beautiful thing. It's really challenging to me. I can't just sit idly by as a believer in this fellowship without feeling a little guilty about it, because there is so much service going on. I praise God for that. It's a beautiful thing, but not everybody's involved. And so I just encourage you, be blessed, bless the church, be involved in the ways that God's equipped you. We'll just, just leave these on the screen. That's all the fancy slides we had for the day. Um, <clears throat> so verse 12 stops in the middle of a sentence. We, we've already read about these gifts that are going to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is to build up the body of Christ. And so then we continue on in this sentence with verse 13. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So how long are we in the ministry? Well, if you really summarize that, it's until the rapture or until you go to be with your Savior in glory. Until you see Christ's face, you're in the ministry. And, and there's, no, there's no letting up. And I'll just... I'm the first to admit, like, it's real easy to elbow out. I mean, God does, there are times to recoup. There are times to re-energize. Even a soldier has to come off the battlefield for a while, get some cool water, you know, get some bandages put on and whatnot. But sometimes I, I could take that too far. And I think, you know, my time watching the show on Netflix every night is, is, is my right. You know, I work hard every day and, and, uh, I have to go before God and ask him if that's really my right or if maybe I could be using my gifts during the time he's given me better. As I've gotten older, I've just, you just start to see a different perspective on life. And it's like, okay, well, this is our time to store up treasures in heaven. And once we're with Christ, that time is done. We've, we've either stored them up or we, or we haven't done a whole lot. And so that's just been convicting me. And, help, and I've been asking myself the hard questions and Please hold me accountable. Ask me the hard questions. Um, so we should be in ministry till the rapture, until we're called home. And what is the goal? Well, we see God's heart for the church in this verse 13. We're to be active until we all attain to the unity of the faith. That reveals God's heart for the church, doesn't it? When we are with Christ, we will have the unity of the faith, right? There will be no... Um, there used to be a joke I would hear. I'm sure people still say it. But, you know, you get to heaven and you see a little room off to the side with a few people and they say, well, who's in that room? And then name the denomination or the way of thinking. But that's so-and-so. They don't know they're, the only, they're not the only ones here. Just don't tell them there's other people here, you know. Um, 
you know, the, the end of the day, we're going to understand it. We're going to get God's purpose in those words he said in that particular verse that we, we thought we had the corner on how to interpret them. But we'll get it one day, but God wants the church to be unified. And right now, until we're with God, and our sin natures are gone, and our selfishness is gone, we need to be patient with each other, right? We need to be willing to talk things out, to be praying for each other. And, and that is how unity happens, the unity of the faith. It's through good teaching, it's through studying the word, it's through being humble before God and letting him um, do his work in you and, and him working in others. He also wants us to keep working till there's the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. So we should be growing in knowledge of him. You know, it's, um, yeah, are you growing in knowledge of him? The only way to do that is really to be in the word and to be under good teaching and then putting it into action but we should be growing in the knowledge of him, of the Son of God, and, and then being active and carrying it out. The Pharisees were good at the knowledge thing, but maybe not so good at, I don't know if they were good at the knowledge thing, but they had a lot of knowledge, but they weren't maybe so good at carrying it out and, and doing what God really intended them to do with the knowledge that they had. Let's not be like that. And then we see God's heart is that we be, become mature persons, that we attain to the measure of Christ's full stature. So there's, there's just no throwing in the towel, right? I mean, until we're like Christ, it's, it's go time. We need to be growing and, and maturing and continuing to let God just have his way with us. And as you walk with God, I mean, you know that that's an ever-humbling process. There's, there's just by the... I'm just thankful that God doesn't put it all in a dump truck because he knows everything we need to know, but he doesn't take it all in the dump truck and then just dump it on us. He's so gracious and kind that he kindly points out one thing and then he gives us grace as we work through that, through his power, maybe, and then we see victory. And it's funny, as soon as you start to feel like you've got some victory there, then he's like, okay, Dave, now there's this little thing over here and it starts all over again, you know? Um, and praise God. He's gracious and he's kind, and I'm thankful he does that. Um, and we should all be maturing. I um, have spent a lot of my career in startup companies in the California area, out in the the Bay Area, and it's a and I it's a unique perspective on things. Um, it's pretty much a part of the culture out there that you find a young company that's kind of up and coming. And you go just sell your soul to that company, in a sense, because everybody wants to make it big. You know, everybody knows somebody that's made millions and millions of dollars from that co their company IPOing and is retired and whatnot. And some 25 years ago, I went to work for Cisco Systems, and they had just bought a company called Serent, and it was the highest amount of money that C Cisco ever bought, paid for a company that they bought. They paid like $9 billion. It was right before the, the bubble of the late, two, late 90s. And they never really recouped that money, I'm pretty sure. But I got hired after that, like a week after that happened, okay? So I was not the rich guy. I, got, I flew out to California, and there literally were Ferraris in the parking lot, and there were like big jacked up trucks, and people on the phone talking about their manicures and their pedicures. Like everybody was rich all of a sudden in the building, which was really strange. Um, and, I, and then I also saw the other end of that, people that would strive to attain to that. They would 
like engineers would sleep in the labs at night. They would work all day. They would just lay on the floor and sleep at night, wake up the next morning and just keep working, work to the weekend. The company would bring in breakfast and dinner and lunch. And that's the culture. And everybody wanted to get rich. Everybody wanted to IPO. And it goes on every day. And we all sell ourselves out in some way, or we have to watch out that we don't do that. But I... Um, you see that kind of determination, and it's because they're motivated by something. We look at Ephesians 1 through 3, I don't, I don't know how God can turn the volume up higher on motivation with Ephesians 1 through 3. I mean, he says he's done all of these things for us. He's given us all of these things. Shouldn't our motivation be something like the motivation that the world has to make money? It, and so the energy in the church, I mean, and... I feel guilty even saying this because I know I don't measure up to it, but it should be a lot like that. Like, just go, 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 you know? Let's give up a little sleep. Like, there's a great opportunity here. And I've been convicted about, like, just witnessing. You know, it's real easy to, to psych yourself up, to knock on that door and to spit a few things out. And as soon as they turn and say, and kind of reject me, to just be, feel like, okay, I've checked that box. I feel good. I can walk away. And God has convicted me to say, no. I mean, I can't force their salvation, but they're dying. They're in a house that's burning, and, and it's not about me checking the box. I did, I did evangelism today. It's about recognizing the mission and just continuing to push towards that mission. And I feel so thankful to be surrounded by so many in this assembly, in this fellowship, that I feel like are doing that, and I praise God for it. It's contagious. So as, as each of us takes seriously the fact that we're in the ministry and, and allows God to exercise his gift, the gift he's given us through us. As we're in the word, as we're on our knees, as we let God continue to hone us, it, be, it affects others. And God does work through us. And, and we're seeing growth here at Bethany, hopefully depth of spiritual growth. And it's, that's the model. That's what should be happening. So praise God. But are you part of it? And, and I don't mean that in a condemning way. It's just like, come on, this is worth it. Like, join in. Like, let's do this thing. And that's a contagious environment, too, in those smaller companies is everybody's got a common mission. Everybody's pushing for a common, common goal. I, didn't, I never got rich from that, by the way. So <clears throat> and that's good. God knew I probably couldn't handle it. Um, all right, verse 14 um, so if we are, it says, so we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. So we're each supposed to be growing. We're each supposed to be becoming more independent in our spiritual walk, able to go from milk to spiritual meat. Children are vulnerable to ideas. They're vulnerable to false information. They're vulnerable to tricks. They can be overpowered. And we know that Satan is a deceiver, and he's the father of lies, and he's super good at it, right? And without the God as our power, we will, we will fall. The enemy is strong. We need the God's power. We see in Ephesians 6 a lot of the equipment we have for that. One of my kids just yesterday, my younger kids, said, Dad, can I bike to McDonald's? Like, I know how to get there. I'll bring my phone. And now some of you would have said, sure. I'm a little more risk-averse. And I said, no. Um, and my child said, well, I know how to get there. And if anything happens to me, I'll just call you. And I'm like, well, don't you think, like, if, like, I said, I trust you. I really believe you can get to McDonald's and get back and know, 
how to order food, and I know you'll be fine, but there's people who can overpower you, and you can bet they're not going to let you call mom or dad. And so I said, the answer is no. And, and that's what it was. But my child is going to grow and will eventually be capable of doing that. And I need to raise my children to be able to be independent. And so, but spiritually, where do you fall in that? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Part of that is being in the church and being engaged and hearing teaching and being ministered to, to be equipped to do that. And as we exercise our gifts, we minister to the body. And um, yeah, we see that the, the, that God wants us individually to be stable. He wants us to be um, not susceptible to the fads of doctrines. There's so many out there today, and they sound exciting, and they sound tantalizing, but we need to know the Word of God well enough to be able to discern. We need to not be gullible. William MacDonald has a quote that really was convicting to me. It says, he said, Believers who never become involved in aggressive service for Christ never emerge from being spiritual children. They are underdeveloped through lack of exercise. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. Believers who never become involved in aggressive service for Christ never emerge from being spiritual children. They are underdeveloped through lack of exercise. So we need to be busy. We need to be exercising our spiritual gifts and, and learning to discern, learning, developing our abilities, developing and maturing. So just some questions. Are you aggressively active in service for Christ? Are you immature? Are you unstable? Are you gullible? If so, we'll just keep reading because verses 15 and 16 have the remedy to that. So verse 15 says, But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. When we start practicing the truth, and we start doing the things that God has shown us, and that might be something that we've ignored the 5,000 times we've read that verse before and didn't do anything about, right? Just start today and practice it. Just do it. As we do that in love, not in legalism, not in... Um, whatever the other motivations are that we might come up with, but do it motivated by love, God will mature us. He will cause us to grow up in all things and grow up into Christ who is the head. So practice is go to the, you know, watch your kids practice or some other kids practice. It's trying and it's failing. It's trying and it's failing. It's trying and it's failing. Calvin tried to do a kip on a, um, a rod during gymnastics, and I think he worked at it for two and a half years before he could even do one. And it was just such a hard thing. So we got to keep at it. Um, and, our, and we need to be doing these things in the spirit of love. And we need to be doing them in the right way. Exercise is good, but exercise that is not done well can be bad. You, know, you go to the gym. We've all seen people misusing machines at the gym, or at least we've seen videos of that. And uh, I won't show any, but... <laughs> You can get hurt, and you can hurt others, right, if you don't know what you're doing. So we need to be active, serving God through his power and letting him grow us. And, and this is an A plus B equals C equation. As we practice the truth in love, we will grow up in all things into Christ who is the head. It's guaranteed. Last verse, verse 16, from him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament, as each one does his part, 
the body builds itself up or God builds up the body in love. Knowing the Lord is, is our goal, but he is also the source of our growth. And that's, that's the whole point. Christ causes the body to grow. He fits the body together. That's every one of us. He holds the body together as each one does its part. If you're not doing your part, you're not helping to hold the body together. The body's deficient somewhat because you are not active. Each intricately detailed role and purpose of God. Every one of us has slightly different ones, different things that God's going to do through us. We need to be doing them. God, things that God's planned for you to do from eternity past. And many of you are doing them. And that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. So I, this isn't meant as a chiding to say, this is a problem. I'm not calling out a problem. I'm just, it's just something that God gives us as a litmus test here that we need to be looking at. And the word ligament, that brings about a painful memory for me. Because when the body fails, it hurts. And it hurts others around us, and it limits our capabilities. I, my bicep came disconnected from the forearm in February. I don't recommend it. Um, the, the injury wasn't so painful, but the recovery is very painful. But I've had to bring people alongside to do work with me. Like, I couldn't do the things I used to do. So I've burdened others, and I have to pay them for it. Um, but it's, I'm thankful. God has brought people alongside. I'm speaking business, but, but in the church, as we... As we misstep or as we fail or as we break, the church is there to minister to us, but it, it does then limit other things that maybe people could be doing for others. So it, it's a serious thing, and we need to be diligent in, in serving God faithfully and in the way he lays out. So these are the delicacies that I've been dining on for this past couple of weeks. I want to just close by reading a quote from Warren Wearsby. I think sums it up pretty well. He says, we realize that as members of the one body and a local body, we belong to each other, we affect each other, and we need each other. Each believer, no matter how insignificant he may appear, has a ministry to other believers. Or, or how insignificant you think you are, or how incapable you think you are. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. Each of us has a ministry to other believers. The body grows as the individual members grow, and they grow as they feed on the word and minister to each other. So they feed and they act on that. Note once again the emphasis on love, forbearing one another in love, speaking the truth in love, the edifying of itself in love. Love is the circulatory system of the body. It has been discovered that isolated, unloved babies do not grow properly and are especially susceptible to disease. While babies who are loved and handled grow normally and are stronger, so it is with the children of God. An isolated Christian cannot minister to others, nor can others minister to them. And it is impossible for the gifts to be ministered either way. So don't stick your head in the sand. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, and none of us are sufficient for the things you give us to do. None of us arrives, but we have your Holy Spirit. We have the, the Spirit of Almighty God in us, and you have equipped every one of us with a gift. And Lord, every one of us must be busy exercising that gift, using that gift, putting it into service, practicing that gift,
to minister to the body so the body will grow. And Lord, you make it totally worth it. Even just selfishly, Lord, you tell us that you'll reward us and that you'll give us treasures in heaven because of it. Lord, it's so worthwhile. I just pray that we would be as energetic about ministry as we are more than anything else in our life, more than wanting to make money or, or, or attain to certain goals, whatever it is, Lord, may our goals to be ministering to you be higher. May that be a higher priority. Lord, help each one of us, Lord. There's none of us that's left out of this. Just, in a sense, leave it all on the field here and, and work, work out our salvation here. Do work for you every day until we see your face. And that's when we will be finished. And that's when we each want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, convict and encourage, Lord. If there's some here that are serving you diligently, encourage them. Help them to continue, Lord. Thank you for them. If there's some here who are, have just sat on the seat and, and really done not much of anything for years, Lord, convict. May that not continue for their own good and for the good of the church. And Lord, may we each be walking with you intimately and allowing you to continue to change us and conform us more to the image of Christ. All praise and glory to Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.